You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is Enough is Enough. Enough is Enough. Where you get tired, you get fed up with things that are going on in your life. And there's got to be a point in each and every one of our lives where we make this statement, enough is enough. Talking in regards to my finances as I was going through this journey in McKinney, unemployed, I quit a job because uh, I, I didn't like the job and Maddie was still working. So I thought, well, God's a good God. I'm going to quit this job. Maddie's still working for a couple of uh, weeks before she has the baby. God's going to show up and, and he's going to provide a job. First month, no job. Second month, no job. Third month, fourth month, fifth month, sixth month, seventh month, eighth month, ninth month, tenth month. But there was some point in there where I said, enough is enough. I'm going to quit feeling sorry for myself. I'm going to quit pouting. I'm going to quit getting angry at God. I'm going to quit questioning what he's doing, why he's doing it. Enough is enough. I'm going to see, and I've already seen the hand of God move, so therefore, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him in everything that he has for me. I don't care what the circumstance looks like right now in my life. I am not going to let my circumstance dictate my theology, my doctrine, my belief in God anymore. My belief in God is going to dictate my circumstance. Enough is enough. Today we're going to look at a story in the Gospels that can help us, I believe, in overcoming an issue that we can't resolve on our own. I wrote this down. If you feel like you've exhausted all avenues for victory but have not seen it, then let's look at this story of this Gentile woman and how she encountered Jesus before he went to the cross. The story that we're going to be highlighting and looking at is Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. We're going to do 21 through 28, but we're going to first start in 21 and 22. The beginning of the story, it says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Verse 22, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. This woman has heard about this man named Jesus who is saving, who is healing, who is restoring, who is doing something different than no other person has ever done before. And she decides enough is enough. She's been dealing with whatever's going on with her daughter, saying that not only is she demon-possessed, she's severely demon-possessed. She says enough is enough. I know that there is this man who can fix this. So she starts her journey. She hears that Jesus has shown up in the area. And she says, if I can talk to him, if I can get near him, if I can encounter him, I know that I can have some type of change in my story. I can have some type of change in my atmosphere. I can have some type of change in my situation. So the first 
kind of lesson we can learn in this where enough is enough, just like this Gentile woman, number one, we need to attach ourselves to Jesus. And there's a couple ways that I believe we can attach ourselves to Jesus. We can attach ourselves to Jesus by being in church. We can attach ourselves to Jesus by reading the Bible, the Word. He is the Word. We can attach ourselves to Jesus through prayer. We can attach ourselves to Jesus through the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. You see, the only way that this woman knew how to attach herself to Jesus was to physically walk from her house, from place to place to place, until she found this man and had a conversation with him. Thank God that that is no longer the case, that we have several avenues to be able to attach ourselves to Jesus. One of the best ways to attach yourself and get near where Jesus is is to be in church. So congratulations, you are the the few that are a part of that today, attaching yourself to Jesus. Look at this scripture in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 3. God is speaking to King Solomon, and he's telling him, because Solomon has just built this temple, has just built this house for him that King David wanted to build. King David said in the scriptures, he says, how can I let my God live in a tent when I live in this mansion? I need to build a house for my God. And God was so moved by it. He says, I would love for you to do that, but your hands are too bloody. You've been killing way too many people. So I like what you're saying. I like what you're doing, but I'm going to let your son build the house for me. King Solomon builds the house and presents it to the Lord. And the Lord says this in 1 Kings 9 verse 3. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, The temple of Solomon is no longer there. It has been knocked down and taken apart brick by brick when it was taken over. But now the temple we know in the Scriptures is us. Now we know that the temple is the church body as we meet. And it says here in the Scriptures that God says in that temple, in that house, I will be there and my eyes and my heart will be on that perpetually. So if you feel like you're away from God, if you feel like God is far away, God doesn't know where you're at, God doesn't know what's going on, I challenge you and encourage you to get to church as quick as you can. Because if his eyes is on his church and you're in his church, then his eyes are on you today. If you feel like you're distant and separated away from God and you don't know if he loves you, you don't know if his heart is set on you, then get to church as quickly as you can because it says that his heart is set on his church. If his heart is set on the church and you're in that church, his heart is set on you. It says in the scriptures, Jesus makes a statement, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. If you want to see your life increase, if you want to see your life be built in the direction of God's kingdom instead of the kingdom of darkness, then get in church because if God is going to put his hands and build his church, it says that I'm the part of the body of Christ. So if he's building his church, that means he's building me. That means he's working on me. That means his eyes are on me. That means his heart is set on me. We've got to attach ourselves to Jesus being in his church. 
Another way that we can attach ourselves to Jesus is the Bible. It says that the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it became flesh. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we've heard this scripture before. For the Word of God is living, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. If you're frustrated about a situation, you're at that breaking point where enough is enough, something has to change and something has to change today, then I want to get in the book that's living and breathing, powerful, and it's ready to cut some things off of me. There might be some things from the past that are, that are holding you back that you're struggling with, that you're trying to overcome, that you're trying to get out of, and you don't feel like you can do it on your own, I have great news for you. His word, the sword, is ready to cut those chains and those addictions off. Another way is prayer, how you can attach yourself to Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Look at this. Now this is the confidence. Come on, I'm If I'm being honest, there are not a lot of things in this world that I'm confident in. We're not confident in the government anymore, the medical field, the financial world. There's a lot of things that's out there that I don't know, is it true, is it false, is it real, is it fake, what's going on? There's not a lot of things that I'm confident in, and John makes the statement right here that this is something that you could be confident in. Take it to the bank that we have in him, that if we ask anything According to his will, he hears us. Verse 15 says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That there is confidence in your prayer. That scripture right there should give you some more confidence in your prayer. Well, God, maybe if you want to, I hope so. It would be real nice if you decided to. No, 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 I have a confidence that your word says You sent your word and it healed me of all diseases. Your word says this, so therefore it's not lining up to my life, so I'm not going to push the word away and say, well, my circumstance must be the truth. No, no, no. I'm going to take the word and put it on top of my circumstance and say, circumstance, you have to change and bow your knee to the word because enough is enough. I have a confidence in my prayer that not only does he hear me, he is also willing and able to answer those prayers. And then the last way we can attach ourselves to Jesus, at least how I can see, is the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You might have questions about the Holy Spirit. You might not like the Holy Spirit. You might be uh, weirded out by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know that if you are saved, the Holy Spirit is already inside of you. And if, you, if he's already inside of you, then that means that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the ability to speak in tongues, is already inside of you. Ah! Scary. It's already there. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. I love this scripture. I quote it all the time. John 16, verse 13. Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit before he goes to the cross. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, that's his name, Jesus is full of grace and truth. It says in John chapter 1, John chapter 16, he comes up and he says, hey, guess what? 
I am called truth and grace, and I'm going to put that spirit of truth inside of you. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. To attach yourself to Jesus like this Gentile woman. We don't have to go run to Israel and chase around him and his disciples. This is why Jesus says, it is better that I leave because something better is going to come. And it's the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the church was not just going to stay a group of 12 disciples. It just took one moment in Acts chapter 2, the church to explode. It took one guy on the road, riding a donkey to get knocked off of it. And Jesus to look down at him and say, Paul or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul starts doing math in his head. He said, well, I'm doing this for God. I've been killing, I've been putting these Christians, these ones who are showing this new way in jail. I've been doing what I've been doing for you, God. And now God is coming down looking at him saying, Saul, why are you fighting and persecuting me? He said, wait a second. Something's not adding up. And he has this encounter with Jesus. Years and years of studying and talking with Jesus And he goes on these missionary journeys, and the gospel is pushed throughout all the world because of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding him into all truth and him delivering that truth to each and every one of us who listens. We've got to attach ourselves to Jesus. First and foremost, when you're at your wit's end, when you're frustrated, when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're done with life and the circumstances that you're dealing with, and you make that statement, enough is enough, then now is the time, like this woman, to attach ourselves to Jesus. When I was deciding to go to college, went to, decided to do criminal justice, that was going to be my field. That was going to be the place that that was going to be my career field that I was going to go down. So I just jumped in. I'm going to be in the career field of criminal justice. So I went to college, and I started taking criminal justice classes. I got my degree in criminal justice. Started watching videos. Started watching cops a lot more. Didn't have live PD at the time, just cops. Started going with my dad to these different men went and sat down with the chief of police in the in the town and talked with him he was an ex FBI agent and talked with him about his journey and what he recommended to do and what route to go then i ended up in sheriff mancuso's office cuz my dad knew him and sitting there talking with him about what the future held what i wanted to do where i wanted to go thought about joining the military and went and sat down in in the office of the Marines first, the few, the proud. And the Marines told me that they didn't want me. And I thought, that's kind of embarrassing. We're literally in the middle of a war. And the guy literally told me, what you want to do, you're really too smart for us. We just need grunts to run toward the bullets. He said, you might want to go down a few doors and talk to somebody else. And I walked out of there kind of insulted. I was like, the few, the proud, doesn't even want me. Went and sat down with the Air Force and talked with him. 
one of my buddies was already in the Air Force, and there was another recruiter in Lafayette. Went and sat and talked with him to go into officer training school and do some things. I just started reading books. I just started, I knew what my focus was and my career was, and I just started attaching myself to it with whatever avenue that I could do. And then I finally got smart and started listening to God instead of running from Him and felt like I was called to ministry. And as soon as I was called to ministry, I started looking at schools, dropped everything. When it came to the career justice, the the criminal justice field, I said, well, I'm going to go to Bible school. Christ for the Nations was in Dallas. Hillsong was in Australia. IHOP was in Kansas City. I just started looking at those, saying, okay, how can I get there as quick as I can? Well, see if an eye is six, six hours away. It's cheaper than the rest of them. I don't want to be international in Australia. I'll go to see if an eye. Started reading books about ministry. Started taking classes about ministry. Met mentors there who helped mentor me. Started getting jobs as a pastor in the churches that God kept opening doors to. I knew what my focus was, and I just made it a priority to put as much things as I could around to help me in that moment. That you, when you make the decision that enough is enough, and you need to attach yourself to Jesus, you need to pull every avenue that you can to get in front of Him. Instead of hiding and running from church, because God doesn't want sinners, if I frequent the doorstep of that church, I'll burst into a ball of flames. I've never seen it happen, and I've seen plenty of sinners walk through the doors of the churches that I've been a part of. When I was younger, and I was in high school and college, and was going out to different clubs and bars, I would see men and women that were ushers and and well-known people in my church at these bars And we'd wave to each other on Saturday night, and then we'd wave to each other on Sunday morning. And I would think, that wasn't your wife on Saturday, but you're sitting with her today, so that's good. And they never burst into a ball of flames. That you make it a priority when you make the decision that enough is enough, I'm tired of this, I'm done with this, something has to change, that you attach yourself to Jesus. And if I've got to be in church as much as I can, if I've got to be in this Bible as much as I can, if I've got to be praying in my prayer closet or in my car or walking from meeting to meeting or going in the backyard and doing some yard work praying, praying in the Holy Spirit, building up my faith, talking with the Holy Spirit, having Him lead me and guide me, then that's what I'm going to do because enough is enough. So let's see what happens. This woman has attached herself to Jesus. She has shown up. She has she has given this story that my daughter is in serious trouble. She needs help. And let's see Jesus' response. Verse 23. But he answered her not a word. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That's encouraging. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. If I was Jesus, I'd be like, cries out after us? Calm down. (laughs) Calm down, Peter. You're being a little bit too dramatic. Verse 24. So then he decides to answer her. But he answers her and says, woman, thou art healed, thou art loosed. Go and be free and joy The miracle signs and wonders, he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And look at her response, verse 25. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Enough is enough. 
The second step, the second tip that we can learn from this story is to avoid the noise. Attach ourselves to Jesus and avoid the noise because we, if we're being honest, experience something just like this woman experienced. We go and we pour our hearts out to God. God, I need you. You've got to change this. I'm so tired of dealing with this sin, this, uh, this addiction, this frustration. I'm so tired of dealing with this insecurity. You've got to do something. We're crying. We're weeping. We're pouring our hearts out. Our emotions are raw. And then there's crickets. Hello, God? Do you care? Are you talking? Are you listening? Are you there? And then the other frustration happens where God's people and majority of people love to tell other people what to do instead of doing it themselves. Boy, is it easy to encourage somebody to do something. I'm a pastor. That is essentially majority of ministry is telling people what the Bible says and what they should be doing. But boy, is it hard to do what those things are. We love to tell other people what to do. Well, if I was in your shoes, let me tell you what I would do. I wouldn't do what you were doing. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You should be doing this, 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 and this. Why don't you do one of those things? And all of a sudden, when we decide that something has to change in our situation, in our lives, all of a sudden, it seems like God goes quiet. All of a sudden, it seems Like other people start telling you what to do. Don't ask God about that. I can't believe you prayed that prayer. You want to be healed? You want to be saved? You want to be restored? You want your finances to change? You want your marriage to change? You want your relationships to change? How can you pray that? Go away and pray. Talk to somebody else. Go to a different church. What book are you reading? How are you? All of a sudden, these conversations in our own mind and around us start getting louder and louder and louder. But this woman understood something that we need to understand as well, that when the noise gets louder and louder and louder, she got closer to Jesus and she just started worshiping. How do you want to drown the noise out? Just start worshiping. Just start worshiping. Singing a simple song like it is well. It is well with me. That God is constantly moving and involved in our lives. Psalm 63, verses 3 through 4. Because your loving kindness is better than life. This is a song that David wrote. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Verse 4 says, thus will I bless you, thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Your loving kindness is better than life. Thus my lips will praise you. My pastor says it and I say it as well, that if you just get so busy doing the good, you won't have time to do the bad. Well, another iteration of that, if you get just busy talking about the good, then you won't have time to talk about the bad. If you just make it a priority to listen to the good, then you won't have time to listen to the bad. If I'm constantly just reminding myself 
what the Scripture says. If I'm constantly listening and worshiping Him, it's very hard to get caught up in the frustrations of life. Jesus doesn't answer her. The disciples are trying to run her off and telling her, go away. He's not going to help you. He's not going to fix it. And she avoids all the noise and falls at his feet and worships him and says, Lord, help me. She's a Gentile woman. This is not her God. And she submits herself and says, Lord, help me. When I write sermons, I always have headphones in because I'm usually at the house and I always have worship music going in in my ears so it can help me focus. I can stay in, in line with whatever I'm writing, with whatever I'm typing and the scriptures I'm looking up and things like that. So I just always, when I'm writing my sermon, I always have headphones on and I'm listening to worship music because if I took my headphones off, you hear her already screaming just in the couple minutes of us talking. My wife is running around and chasing the kids. Eliza's destroying and burning down the house. Noah's having fun doing whatever he's doing, playing with toys like the angel that he is. The dog is, is barking and trying to get food. The house is making noise. The refrigerator is making ice. When I take those headphones off, all of a sudden I hear all the noises in the house. I hear the birds chirping, I hear the wood adjusting, I hear the kids talking, the TV playing. I hear every noise which causes me to lose focus on what the main priority is. So I wrote this, there is negativity surrounding you and your thoughts which can distract you from the main thing and can distract you from having an encounter with Jesus. Worship will focus and remind you on what is important and block out the negativity. It'll just block it out. It'll just remove it. As soon as negativity starts creeping in, then I know the radar should be going off. I should be worshiping. When you let those thoughts go a little bit too long, what about this, and what about this, and this hasn't changed, and he hasn't answered, and I don't know this, and I don't know that. No, no, no. That is the time to go fall at his feet and worship and avoid the noise. And the last truth that we can pull out of this scripture is activate your faith. Activate your faith. Let's finish the story. Three more verses in this story. Verse 26 So Jesus doubles down. First, Jesus doesn't answer. Then Jesus says, I'm not called but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she falls down and says, Lord, help me. Now you've got to think at this moment, Jesus has to be like, you're right. Let's go ahead and take care of it. But he answered. He doubles down and says, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What? This woman should have been like, time out, Jesus. Time out right now. That's, this, is, this is not what I came for. But look at her response. She could have got offended. She could have got mad. She could have thrown a handful of dirt at Jesus while she was worshiping. Lord, help me. What did you say? But she says, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now look at this, verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, Great 
is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Not just of demon possession, severe demon possession that nobody else could fix, that no doctors could fix, that no Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, that nobody else could fix. She said, enough is enough. I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to avoid the noise. And she activated her faith. And right then, her miracle happened. Enough is enough. Now, we have to remember that this story happened before Jesus went to the cross. We've got to understand that this story happened, and Jesus is right in this whole scenario. It looks like it's very offensive. I can't believe it. For the, the offended culture right now, how dare a man talk to a woman like that? How, he's just asking for help. How dare But Jesus is right. Under the old covenant, under the old law, he was only sent to Israel, to his people under the old covenant. So he says, I I can't do anything. What do you want me to do? This is what I'm called to do. Jesus is right in what he said as he was only sent to the Jews. But after the cross, God's kingdom was open to all of humanity, praise God. He says, we are now children and allowed access to all things. Look at John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become what? Children of God. So before the cross, the Jews were the children of God. After the cross, it says, anyone who believed on him, he's the one that gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe on his name. So all of a sudden now on this side of the cross, Jesus says, that's only for the children to eat. Well, guess what? I believe in Jesus. Therefore, I'm a children. I'm a child of God. Therefore, I'm seated at the table. We have to understand that what he's saying right here is something very powerful. That healing and deliverance is for the children of God. And it's bread. And he just brings it and gives it to the children. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's nothing that needs to be done. The children just receive the bread at the table and can eat as much as they want because they're children. Because you are a child of God, healing and deliverance is on your plate at any point in time. And if it's on your plate at any point in time, then enough is enough. Today is the day of salvation and freedom. Healing is the children's bread. So as we read through this story, verses 21 through 28, we see that Jesus is not moved by her story. No matter how sad it is, no matter how emotional it is, Jesus is not moved by her story. She walks up and says, my child, my daughter is severely demon-possessed and needs to be free, and Jesus does not answer her, isn't moved by that story, isn't moved by her emotion, isn't moved by what's going on, just stands there and looks at her. The disciples say, let's get her out of here. She doubles down and she falls at at his feet and worships him and says, Lord, help me. Jesus says, well, if you can double down, I can double down. I'm not but sent to the lost, the house of Israel. And this 
miracle, this, this, this thing that you're craving, this thing that you want to eat, this thing that you want to experience is not meant for you. And by the way, you're a dog. Oh, cool. Thanks, Jesus. And then she triples down and she says, but even the crumbs on that table of the children can fall to me. And if I just eat a crumb of it, then my child can be delivered. And that is what moved Jesus, her faith. Her faith is what moved Jesus. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. And since we have the same spirit of faith, praise God, you have the same spirit of faith that she has. The same, the biggest minister out there that you think is the most holiest, most faithful person that has God in, you have the same spirit of faith that they have. According to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Verse 14, knowing, knowing, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise me up and raise you up with Jesus and will present us with you. Enough is enough. What is her faith? What did she do in this story that caused Jesus to react? He did not, she did not bring money. She did not bring sacks of gold. She did not bring some powerful leader and say, well, if, you, if I know this guy and he can help you in your ministry and bring you here and bring you there and get you on the news and do that. He did, she didn't bring power. She didn't bring money. She didn't bring anything other than her words. And it's her words that cause Jesus to react. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's time to activate our faith. She says, I believe it, and I'm speaking it. She says, even the crumbs that fall from that table, I believe that that crumb, that bread that you're giving to the children is something that can help my family and help my daughter and change my situation. And if a crumb of that falls and me as a dog that you've called me, I can just lick it up and take a crumb of it. It can change my life. And Jesus said, that's all I need. Your daughter's healed. Believing and speaking, activating your faith is what changed her circumstance. Enough is enough. Think about where our society would be if humanity never invented the wheel. Where would our society be if fire was never figured out? But because someone in a cave, however many years ago, made a wheel, because somebody in a cave, however many years ago, made a spark, and watched this hot thing rise, and then they killed a cow and made a nice steak out of it, where would society be if those things did not happen? But because they happened, because we have the will, we have vehicles, all shapes and sizes. Because we figured out fire, Humanity has changed dramatically. We now know that we can harness and use fire for different things. We can use the wheel to make life easier as we work and as we do things. I don't have to walk from here to my house. I don't even have to ride a horse or a horse and buggy. I've now I've got many horses in one engine, which also has sparks, flames in there to help me get where I need to go. 
that these things dramatically forever changed humanity. I want to encourage you and remind you today, this story was before the cross. But after the cross, the cross was such a big deal. It changed humanity forever, forever. When I was in Bible school and sitting in Pastor John's class, he always had a whiteboard behind him. And all these students would be asking him questions and saying all kinds of things and talking about the law and talking about the Old Covenant and the Old Testament and all these different things about following the law and doing all those things. And he would listen to them and he would listen and listen and finally he would have enough of it and he would walk to the board and he would stand across the board and he would draw this cross and he would point to this cross and said, this thing changed everything. It changed everything. Before the cross... This woman, according to the scriptures, she was a dog, she was an enemy, she was a stranger, she was a foreigner that did not have access. She did not have access to anything, including access to Jesus. And Jesus had every right to say that. But because of her faith, it caused him to respond. But now on the other side of the cross, I wrote this. After the cross, it says in the scriptures, you are a child of the most high God with a big brother that intercedes for you. And it says in Hebrews that he sympathizes with your weakness. Here it doesn't look like he sympathized with her at all. But now we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness. So when we say, that enough is enough. I'm tired, God. I don't know how I'm going to do this anymore. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I'm frustrated with this and this. He sympathizes with us. He prays over us. And he's my big brother that's ready to destroy the bully out of my life. As I conclude, the last scripture I want to highlight is Psalms 27, verse 13. Scripture says, I would have lost heart. Some other uh, versions say I would have lost confidence unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Guess what, family? We are in the land of the living. We are all breathing and alive right now. Enough is enough. I want to encourage you today. I know you're hanging on by a thread. I know that you're struggling. I know that you're tired. I know that you're weary. But listen to the scripture that you would have lost heart, but don't. Don't lose your confidence. Don't lose your heart. Let, it be, let your faith be an anchor to your soul, knowing that God is on your side, that the cross changed everything. And when you declare that enough is enough and you believe that God is enough to take care of those situations, he can change anything even at this very hour. And we can learn from this woman as we go through life going forward, when you're dealing with situations in your life, to attach yourself to Jesus. Don't run from Jesus when you're going through something. Run to him. Run to his book. Run to the prayer closet. Run to the church. Turn internally and listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you. Avoid the noise. Believe me. When you're going through something in your life, there is so much negativity. Even people who think they're doing the right thing, oh, well, bless your heart. I guess God's just attacking you. I guess the devil's just attacking you. I guess you did something wrong. There's hidden sin somewhere in your life. No, no, no. Block that noise out and just go and worship him. Remember the focus, the main thing is the main thing, and that's Jesus. That's setting your heart and your sights and your eyes on Jesus because he's the only one that can change and help you. And lastly, activate your faith. 
activate your faith. Start speaking. Start declaring. Start believing that God is who he says he is. If he did it to somebody else, he's no respecter of persons. If he healed them, he'll heal me. If he saved her, he'll save me. If he took care of them, he'll take care of me. They've been in worse situations and God brought them out of it, then he'll bring me out of it. I'm coming through this. He'll knock down my Jericho walls. He'll split the sea. He'll bring manna from heaven. He'll heal the sick. He'll raise the dead. If he did it for anybody else, enough is enough, and he'll do it for me. In Jesus' name, let's stand up today as we get ready to go. Attach yourself to Jesus. Avoid the noise and activate your faith, and I guarantee you God will show up and change your situation. Father, we thank you. Father, you know the people here. You know their stories, their life struggles. And I know that the cry of their heart when they lay on their pillow, when they're in the shower, when they're driving to and from work, that whatever the situation is that's, that's on the forefront of their mind, they're making the statement that enough is enough, that they're tired, they're weary, they're sad, they're defeated, they're worn out physically. Everything has come against them, and they're saying in their spirit, God, enough is enough. Father, it says in your word that we can draw near to you, and you'll draw near to us. So, Father, as these people go into this next week, as they go into the second half of this year, Father, I ask that you meet them where they're at, that you're listening to them, that you're helping them, that you're giving them the power and the encouragement to step out in faith and believe that you are who you say you are, that you'll take care of them just like you've taken care of others. Father, we are deciding to get as close to you as we can, as close to you as we can. I want to hear your heartbeat. I want your eyes upon me. I want you to build me up. I want you to help me, Father, get through these things, Father. I'm going to avoid the noise by simply worshiping you. Get that negativity out of our lives because we have the mind of Christ. And, Father, we're going to activate our faith. We're just going to believe we're just going to be dumb enough to believe that book that if you said it, then you meant it. We talked about it a couple weeks back that God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, then we know right now in the name of Jesus you're going to do it. So Jesus, do it. Fix it now. Angels, be released into these people's lives and into their circumstances. Miracle signs and wonders now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over their lives right now, and I speak freedom into their lives. I break addiction off of their life. I speak healing into their lives. I speak salvation into their lives. He that the Son sets free right now is free indeed. We believe in the name of Jesus that even in this hour, our situation can change. We can get a phone call. We can have a conversation. We can see something in your scriptures. Something can change even now, even today, to where it's not as bad as it was yesterday, and it's only going to get better tomorrow in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you they are blessed and highly favored. They are the head and not the tail. Everything they put their hands to prospers. The favor of God surrounds them like a shield. The peace of God resides in their hearts and minds. They have the mind of Christ. They are healed by the stripes of Jesus. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue, negative tongue that tries to rise against us in the scriptures, it says we condemn now in the name of Jesus. Father, use us this week to go out and be a blessing to people. Let us be the salt and the light of the earth. Father, bless and protect your people over this holiday weekend. Bring the women back safely to the Bible study on Tuesday and bring us back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Enough is enough. Change is coming today. In Jesus' name. Take care, family. 
Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.